revive your work, O Lord. Make bare your strong, glorious, mighty arm. Speak with a voice that wakes the dead and revive in you your people to hear. Revive your work, O Lord, and disturb every sleep of death, of nonchalance, of just living and existing. Quicken the smoldering embers of our life now, and let your mighty breath bring life anew in the name of Jesus Christ. Revive your work, O Lord, and growth is self-test for you, by hungering for your word, the bread of life, as spirits may be. Revive your work, revive your people, revive us even now, today, this generation, give your Pentecostal showers. Let the glory be yours, and let the blessing be ours, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You're welcome to this second half of the year. And we are privileged to have been preserved of the Lord our God. It is of his mercies that we have not been consumed. It is of his loving kindness that we have remained. In the land of the living, testifying of his goodness. To him be all the glory, honor, power, dominion, and majesty in the name of Jesus Christ. In the first half of the year, January 1, the Lord told us, in this year he will revive us from Hosea. And followed it up with a prayer we have been praying in our theme. O Lord, revive your work. Revive your people. Revive your mercy. Revive your power. May men and this generation again see you at work in our lives and see your power in demonstration and see a beacon of heaven through us in the name of Jesus Christ. And today, as we break into the second half of the year, we shall have revival in Jesus' name. We shall experience revival in the name of Jesus. We shall not only hear of it with the hearing of the ears. We shall not only hear of the sound of abundance of rain. But like Elijah who heard the sound of abundance of rain. And prevailed and believed the God. In expectation and in anxious desire. Praying up to seven times in the morning. Until the sound of abundance of rain turned to a feast of a man's hand, turned to a thick cloud, and a great rain of revival did fall. And the crops were refreshed. We shall not only desire to experience revival, we shall have revival in the name of Jesus. I'm not talking of just we, you, myself. Is our desire that each of us shall experience the reviving of our lives and our hearts and the things about us in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we go further, and we ought to urge us to desire 
to desire to experience revival. Everybody say, I will experience revival. I desire to experience revival. We have just read Habakkuk, and I read chapter 3, verse 2. Oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Amplified version. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. In wrath, earnestly remember love, pity, and mercy. And we shall also read Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Come, and let us return unto the Lord, for he has turned, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As a latter and former rain unto the earth. Message Bible puts it this way. Come on let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he will heal us. He hit us hard, but he will put us right again. In a couple of days, we will feel better. By the third day, he will have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We are ready to study God, eager for God knowledge, as sure as dawn breaks. So sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain, comes. A spring rain refreshing the ground. After two days, he will revive us. Yes. On the third day, he will raise us up. After two of God on any person, on an individual, on a people, on a group, 
It may be a church like we are, and a community or nation, with the outpouring of His Holy Spirit, an attendant manifestation of His power, His glory, His presence, in genuine earnestness and sincerity of worship, and hunger only for God, and more of Him, of His righteousness, holy transparent living, with conversion of souls, turning to the Lord in repentance, with demonstration of signs and wonders, with the healing of individuals, relationships, one to another in a family, and yet beyond the family, with the healing of the nations. In Habakkuk 3.2 he says, In your rock, remember mercy, remember love, remember pity, earnestly, and bring a healing, joy, peace, economy, prosperity, and progress, and godliness that follow even this episode. Revival that we desire to experience as we learned in our Bible study three weeks ago on 14th June, quoting David Dixon in that introduction is a special outpouring of God's blessing when his people are spiritually renewed and many others are converted. Thus, the fire of revival usually sparks off in an individual or a group of people of believers, a church, and will spread beyond its point of origin, impacting the environment, impacting the society, impacting others. The revival we desire to experience, brethren, is a time of refreshing from the Lord. Fresh dew, fresh outpour of anointing, of grace, of joy, of peace. A burst of God's mercy, energy, and resource that are ordained and authenticated by heaven. In Acts 3.19, Peter told those who were eagerly listening, Repent ye therefore, and be baptized and converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing, as you saw, for those of us who were either in the midweek or you were attentive to it if you were outside there, in First Kings 18, reading through that chapter, and then following with James chapter 5, when Elijah had a dealing with his people Israel and with God himself and yet with Ahab and the other Baal prophets around, is a typical case of revival promised Revival delivered, revival resource brought down. God Himself in First Kings eighteen one promised, "I will send rain, I will send rain upon the earth." And the following, Elijah needed to draw the people away from sin, turning them from their idolatry. Elijah needed to repair the altar of God, of fellowship with God, of communion with God, of coming in true worship with God. And so the Baal prophets that represented sin and idolatry and departure from God had to be dealt with and removed until the people's hearts 
was truly turned unto the Lord, holy, and in repentance, they cried, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And the moment that happened and they had repented, turned holy to the Lord. Elijah repaired the altar and knew it was time to now see the promise of God come to be fulfilled. And Elijah turned into relentless prevailing prayer. And as James chapter 5 said, Elijah prayed just a man as we all are. And the effectual, fervent, prevailing persistent, relentless prayer. He prayed up to seven times. He didn't take it for granted that God said I will give rain. Promise assured. Promise to be delivered. But conditions needed to be fulfilled for that desired promise to come to fulfillment. And Elijah knew that as well. Repentance has to be total. Sin had to be dealt with. Turning to God was the next revulsion. And the moment that was on the way, Elijah took on the next aspect of the condition that tells God, our hearts are ready, yearning, desirous, expectant of the rain you have promised. He prayed. He prevailed. He took the manner of prayer in every way undistracted. And friends, not only was there a sound of the abundance of rain, there was a great rain. Praise the Lord. And the Bible did say there in James 5:18. Now he prayed again. When he did pray, it wasn't just once. He prevailed. He believed. He trusted. Relentlessly praying. And James says the showers came and everything started growing again. A revival had taken place. Praise the Lord. The showers came. The revival showers came. The rain that had been withheld for three years and six months came. The rain that had been in great demand came. The rain of which saw severe famine of the word of God, of the presence of God, of true Christianity, true worship, and demonstration of the power of God that Gideon had to cry, Where are the miracles? Where are the signs? Where is the demonstration that we had with the hearing of the ears of our fathers? Where are they? Gideon had a heart. He had a burden. He stayed it out. He was also an instrument of revival. And this was Elijah following in his turn. And a time of refreshing. The showers came and everything started again. The eggs brought forth her fruits. The revival we desire and the revival we shall have. A time of refreshing, as we read in Hosea chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, It's going forth, it's prepared as certain as it done. Verse 3. Verse 1 says, Let us return to the Lord. Let us turn unto Him. He's going forth, He's coming, His visitation is prepared, is as certain as the dawn follows the night. The promise is sure, is assured, is certain. His visitation, his outpouring, his refreshing, his coming is fixed. Is as certain as surely as the morning follows the night, as the dawn is bound to come at a certain time daily. And it says day after two days. After two days has been after the period of waiting. After the period of being in darkness, 
after the period of groping, searching for the true Christianity, for those who are truly the people of God, for those who demonstrate his presence, his holiness, his power, his glory, after two days of being ready, after two days of eagerness to know the Lord and to turn to him holy, he comes. He's coming to revive, to bless afresh. It's like refreshing rain after a long dry season. There is a dawning. There is a refreshing. There is a dawning of a new wave of life after repentance and a genuine hunger. And that's why he said in the Message Bible verse 2, he will make us brand new, hungry, cleansed, kept ready, eager, only for him. He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rains. He will combine the former rain that comes at seed time. He will also combine it with the latter rain that comes to harness the harvest time. He will pour them out together. And in Isaiah, in First Kings, we read there was a great rain. That's how God desires to pour out his spirit, manifest his power, visit his people, and give us a complete spiritual overhaul that is refreshed in his presence. May you and I not only desire, but experience it here, now, in this generation today, in the name of Jesus Christ. We know that to revive means to raise up to life. To raise up to leave. Hosea 6 to says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. And then we shall live, truly live in his sight. And in Habakkuk 3 2, it says, God, O Lord, I have heard of your report. I have heard of your dealings. But God, I was afraid for how you have visited your people. When revival had been shut down, when there has been a lockdown of heaven, when there had been no visitation, your people have groped around like sheep without a shepherd, powerless, holiness lacking, every man going his own way. Lord, I was afraid. Now, in the midst of the years, in this year, now, revive your work. In the midst of the years, make known yourself. Visit us. Make your power known. Outpour yourself again. Come in visitation. So it means to restore, to raise to life, to live again. It's just like we have said severally, somebody who is dying and you have to do some resuscitative measures and he breathes again, non-stop. Become steady. He can stand up. He can speak. He was about to fade out. A hymn where we read in ancient and modern 362, second stanza, says, Fan the smoldering embers to flame. Race to life. Race to what we ought to be. Race to what we ought to experience before God and before man. Quicken us. Romans 8.11 says, If the same spirit that raised up Jesus, that revived Jesus from the dead, that made him dead and yet to live, dwell in every one of us. That same Spirit of God, our power to each one of us, will do what? 
will quicken not only our mortal body, but everything about us in the spiritual. Romans 8 verse 19 says that the earnest expectation of the creature is groaning, is waiting for the manifestations of who? The sons of God. And who are the sons of God? Those who are born again. Those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Those who are called children of God. There's a waiting for us to be quickened. To manifest to who we ought to be. In creation and before God in heaven. It means a spiritual awakening therefore. Raising to truly live in God's sight. Daily. Habitually. Not an one of thing. Not just a hit and run. Habitually. To our true potential. To demonstrate God's mercies. His presence. His goodness. And his power. In the passages we read. Hosea 6.1 Come, let us go back to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. As we turn and fully, wholly, unreservedly, willingly, in complete, utter, and daily repentance, with a repentant attitude. Repentance is not just once for anyone who is born again. You repent and turn away from dead works and turn by faith unto the living God. Then you are born again, you are saved. And then on a continual basis, every lifestyle, every action, every area, overt or covert, hidden or open, that your spirit and the word of God demand of you that are deviant away from the nature of God. You repent of it. You don't brag about. You don't put your hands on your waist and say, once saved, always saved. I'm heavenly bound. I'm king skated. I'm heaven right there. No, sir. A repentant attitude that is ready to do away with any and everything that keeps God's presence away from you. As we make the changes in our lives that will turn us solely to him and therefore attract him to us with full and unreserved attention to him. As we turn ready and eager to pay the price of living transparently godly and holy lifestyle, hating sin and every flawed lifestyle. You don't say, I'm born again. The things I do, it's not me who does them. It's the spirit who does them. Therefore, blame the spirit. Charge the spirit for my living anyhow that does not give glory to God. That is a wrong interpretation of the scripture. And that is wrong doctrine. And so here, every flawed and ungodly habit and lifestyle, we are ready to banish we are ready to drop them. We are ready to lay them aside. Our motives, our thoughts, our attitudes, our lifestyle, our wrong dealings in secret and in the open. That is abhorrent. That is displeasing to God. That makes us not be in his nature. We are ready to turn away from them. On a continual basis. On a daily basis. That we keep a short account with them. It's like current that is flowing. 
all of a sudden they take light, they take energy, and the wire that is transmitting, conducting energy, it can't flow anymore. We keep our lives as that wire, conduit pipe, free from every of this, that his visitation can have a free passageway. As you see in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Message Bible says, Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. And according to the liars, cross-examine and test me. This is a prayer of a man that wants to live every day in the light of God's will. Investigate my life. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I have done anything wrong. It's not about arguing about it. It's not about whether they're doing it in America. It's not about show me where it is written in the scripture. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. So it's about God's standard now. King Amaziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 25 verse 2 did what was right in the sight of man and in the sight of God. But there was a clause there. The Holy Spirit that the psalmist invited to investigate him to see if he has done anything out of wrong motive, out of wrong thought, and out of wrong imagination. Investigated him. And because the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures, and he was able to see both the unseen and the outward, he was able to put a clause there and said, even though what he did physically before man and God was right, but not with a perfect heart. And so heaven took record, and that action was voided. The result voided. See if I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Try me, O Lord, and know my heart. Prove me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked, wrong, evil way in me. When you do, please lead me away from them. I'm ready to turn. Lead me to the path of everlasting life. So it's a surrender as of a habit. The scrutiny of our lives humbly and willingly before God and ready to let go anything that is such light by the word, by his spirit prompting you. Some people may be hailing you for the way you spoke somewhere, for the way you retaliated, for the way you showed you a real man, for the way you stood up to that person. And yet... The Spirit is rebuking you for not showing yourself a true child of God in that circumstance. And so as you look at this, you put yourself under his scrutiny to cleanse you and to cleanse me and to bring an influence that glorifies God therein. And that's why in Isaiah 66 verse 2, he had earlier said, The mansions you build, they don't move me. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where are the palaces? Where are the mansions? Where are the big sacrifices you will bring? And they will move me, and they will smile at my head, and they will get me to turn my attention. God said no, but to this man will I look. 
to this person will I pay attention. This is the man to whom I will look and have regard. He who is humble and of a broken or wounded spirit. That's an amplified version put it. And who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. That's the man who will have my attention. That's the woman whom I will visit. That's the life I will pour out my spirit. That's the person I will have dealings with. And it's interesting how the message Bible puts it. There is something I am searching for. A person simple and plain. Without baggages. Without a cluttered life. Transparent always in and out. Without blockage, reverently responsive to what I say. A life that as I look from the front and I look from the back, I look from the right, I look from the left, I look in the morning, I look at midday, I look at the dawn or midnight, is the same, consistently the same. That's the man I'm searching for. That's the person I'm visiting. That's a man who has turned holy to the Lord. And Isaiah 57, 15 did also tell us. For this is what the high and the lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and lofty place, but also with him who is contrite, lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lonely, and to revive the hearts. Of the contrite. That's what I'm searching for. I'm dwelling in the high and the lofty place. But I don't dwell with people who are already haughty, high minded, proud, full of themselves. I'm looking for. It's a paradox. But that's how God visits. That's the reviver. I'm searching for people from my high and lofty place. Who are lowly and contrite in heart. Who are very, very quick to change at the rebuke of my word at any lifestyle that is contrary to me. I'm ready to revive their spirit and I'm ready to revive their heart. And friends, revival is a matter of the heart. Praise the Lord. It's an issue of the heart. I revive their heart, then I can visit their lives. I can upon my spirit because I have no stoppage. And so when in constant heart attitude, of seeking God, asking Him to reveal sin, and choosing to put ourselves and attitude completely under His word for change. When we in humility repent and declare our dependence wholly on God, He says, That's the man He's looking for. That's the woman who, though He desires revival, will have the heart revived, will have the spirit revived, humbled, guided, contrite, broken. Ready to be set right. That's the man I will renew. That's the man I will refresh. That's the man who I cannot resist. A holy and contrite heart will always attract the presence of God, not to depart. That's our desire to experience revival in the name of Jesus Christ. When we are willing to follow Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. Humble ourselves, pray, seek God on our behalf and on behalf of others 
and allow for our own desperation for him to grow in us, he comes back with a promise. Most of us quote only verse 14, but look at the promise of his reviving visit when we turn wholly to him in verse 15. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 15. Now, everybody say now. Now, when they have done this, when they have turned holy, when I have looked at their lives, transparent from heart, transparent from front, transparent from back. When I have looked at their motives, when I have looked at their attitude, when I have looked at them in the morning, and I have looked at them in the marketplace, have looked at them in the house, have looked at them on the road. When I have seen them, holy turn to me, and I have put my ear to heal, to forgive. Now my eyes will be opened. And my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place, in that place, in that life. Simple. That's God's desire. Holy turn to him. So as in the time of visitation of old, there was a scenario. The church in the wilderness had a reviving time. Not once. Severally. Just one of it. Before the Lord gave them the Ten Commandments. That was like the golden rule in the days of the Lord. There was a visitation. It was God coming in his power, in his majesty. The Bible said that there was thickness, darkness, thundering, that the people themselves, whom God has brought near to be a nation and a kingdom of priests towards him, had to request on their own accord. And that's where the partition began. The priests and the laity. But from beginning, God said, I desire to make me a nation and a kingdom of priests unto myself, who will consecrate themselves. But when they saw the visitation of God, they could not endure. God had asked them to make a preparation. And what was that? Look at Exodus 19, verses 10 and 11. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people. Sanctify them today and tomorrow. You can remember Hosea chapter 6. After two days. That's the scripture resemblance for saying, take your time of preparation. When you have prepared two days enough to prepare, get ready. On the third day is a visitation. Once your life is ready, yearning, eager, fulfilling the condition, transparent, Desirous, you will have a visitation of God and you will have the revival in the name of Jesus. So sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes symbolically and be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people. No exception. If they are all involved in the sanctification business and cleanse themselves, and there is no obstruction to my coming, I will come down. I will visit you. I will come giving you my word and my guide. I will come in my power. And he did simply that. And because they were not fully prepared, since then, we have been having those who are in the altar. We have been having those who will call the ordain. 
And we have been having those who we call the laity. But in the beginning, as God determined it, it was not to be so. They say, Moses, we cannot have God speak to us in this manner. We are not ready. We are not prepared. We want to give a gap. And they drew further away. May that not be our portion anymore in the name of Jesus. God is seeking to come down. God is seeking an apple. God is saying a visitation you shall have. And maybe look at one or two areas in our life where you are still saying, God, keep far. Keep a distance. I'm not ready for that, your power. I'm not ready for your demonstration. I'm not ready to pay the price. I'm not ready to live like this every single day under the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit as investigate me. No, I want to do my own things once in a while. Just check if that has been your attitude. Just check if that has been the way you've moved around. Then today, tell the Lord I desire to experience a revival and let the barrier go. He will come down in the name of Jesus Christ. So when these are fulfilled, repentance from every known sin and what defies and keeps God away. Second are renewed, contrite, and a new beginning of obedience to the word of God, to his standards, to his desires, to his delight, to his holiness, and thirdly, relentless, unrelenting, earnest, intense, believing, expectant prayers. I take you back to Elijah again. God said, after three years and a half, I will send rain. It is my desire to send the rain of revival. And he made that statement and stopped. But Elijah knew it was beyond that. God had already declared the statement of intent. And he was bound to fulfill it. But for every of such to happen in dealing between God and man, there was God's part willing to fulfill. Elijah knew the man's part needed to be fulfilled. He had to go walk on the people. He had to go walk in prayers. He had to go walk on their level of repentance and turning to the Lord. And the moment the conditions were arrived, he went praying, saying, God, what you have promised, let it rain. Let it rain upon us. And God brought his word. If he did it in that day, if he did it to the church in the wilderness on Mount Sinai, if he did it in the days of Elijah, friend, what stops him from fulfilling his word and promise that he made right from Joel chapter 2? It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And in Hosea chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, where we sing as our anthem, the Lord will visit. The Lord will pour out His Spirit. The Lord will be content. He will be delighted to show His presence. To show forth. To manifest His power and His glory. As the freshness of the dawn. And the former and the latter rain together. In Habakkuk chapter 3. Is a prayer for revival. And in chapter 3 verse 2. He says Lord. In the midst of the years, both gone by and now, Lord, I pray you, revive your work. Make yourself known. Visit us again. In your power, in your spirit, in demonstration of your holiness. And no wonder in Isaiah chapter 64, he said, Lord, come down. Come down that the mountains will melt. That the waters will flow. 
that your glory will again cover the earth as the waters does what? Covers the sea. A plea. Men have desired to experience sin. And they did. And when Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 had his own personal revival, before chapter 6 he had pronounced five different woes on different nations and on different people. But the moment he encountered the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died, and his vision was clear, the next two woes were to himself until he could be made plain and brought to be used of God. Are we willing to turn away? Is there anything, attitude, habit, flaw that had now ingrained the way my papa born me? If it was the way your papa born you, then salvation has not really done any work in you. It's my shortcoming. It's my habitual sin. It's my besetting sin. If that is still the same in you, then the scripture has not had any impact in your life. Because he who is born of Christ does not make a practice of sin. Because the seed of Christ dwells in him. And the seed of Christ cannot germinate to wrongdoing. Something is still wrong. That's First John chapter 3 verse 9. So when we fulfill this condition, you say, God, Visit us in the midst of the years, now in our generation. Remember mercy, come in love, pity us, and Lord, come, show yourself in our midst and let us experience you and live truly in your sight again. That prayer shall be answered in my life and in your life, henceforth in the name of Jesus Christ. The revival we desire to experience. It's not about the latest book on revival methods. It's not about the most recent strategy on church groups. It's not even also about the programs that are organized mechanically. That we have a weekend program and call it a revival weekend has not made it automatically. A revival, we may finish from beginning to the end and God's presence was never there for one minute. God never visited. We did our own thing. We felt well and felt good about ourselves. So it's not about the techniques. The revival we desire to experience is not necessarily about powerful worship music. Thank God for good singing. But sometimes we can be lost in it too and we cannot differentiate between entertainment and worship. It's not about powerful worship music. We may have it, but that's not necessarily revival. The revival we desire to experience is not about profound great sermons. Great speeches. No, not about them. It can be an exercise of the head rather than of the heart. It can be in the wisdom of man. The revival we desire to experience is not even necessarily about miraculous wonders. Come and see American wonder. Come and see where it is happening. If I see you, I will prophesy. It's not about that, necessarily. The desired revival we desire to experience is not about large congregation, necessarily. That the church has grown. We thank God we started with less than 10 in membership in 2004. And for the last four years since 2017, the Lord has given us more than 1,000 membership each year and counting. Glory be to God for that in Jesus' name. And even despite the COVID, we have already registered 946 in membership this year. And we shall outspeed the 1,000 mark. But revival is not about large congregation. You may have a large congregation, 
full of themselves and yet empty of God. Empty of his presence and empty of anything that is godly. They just come to entertain and please themselves and have a social contract and then go away again. Not necessarily is that we are spreading. The revival we are talking about is not just about going to receive anointing. One man of God will put finger on you and you will fly and fall somewhere. And when you wake up, you return to the same old lifestyle. No change. Nothing megas. That's not the revival we are desiring or we are experiencing. The revival we desire to experience is about our own hearts. Individual hearts. Touched and set aflame. Truly alive in God's spirit and power. In his visitation. Truly alive in God's term. Then it is evidence in the community. And then all of society. And not just within the confines of the church. When a person or an individual, any one of us here, witnesses the experience of visitation of God. It doesn't stop there. Usually, a student, a society, the rest of the people around will have that experience. It will touch families. It will touch government. It will touch work ethics. It will touch your marketplace. It will touch your business center. It will also touch the land and the nation at large. And examples abound in scriptures and in contemporary setting. The revival that we desire for and we long for must begin with our individual hearts being set on fire with the Holy Spirit gingering us with a godly desire to experience revival, to have a longing for God and Him alone and His first visitation in order that we can make an impact, in order that we can truly live in his sight now, in our generation, and live a lasting legacy, fulfill destiny, fulfill the reason why God is still keeping you alive after having been born again. Otherwise, the moment you gave your life to Christ and heaven registered your name, you were qualified to come home to heaven. But you are not qualified to stay on earth and be earthly irrelevant. That's why you need a revival. A fresh visitation of God after your first experience again and again to now fulfill the reason for keeping you and I here. And this is the day of the latter rain. This is also the day God is moving in his power again. This is the day of the saints. This is the age of the priesthood of all believers. That which we lost in the first church in the wilderness. Jesus restored. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, he said he had made us to be kings and priests unto the Lord our God. So that we can have boldness again to approach the throne of God and receive mercy and help in the hour and time of need. Each of us can have that. That's why we need a revival to approach him without any exclusion. And the latter days are the promise that Joel had already assured us of. On everyone of flesh. Of the entire body of Christ. There's a promise of a visitation. And these are the latter days. COVID-19 is one of the realities. It is a pestilence. We read in Habakkuk 3.5. That the pestilence shall go ahead. And we read in Matthew chapter 24. 
The pestilence will remain until God, in his own infinite wisdom, has mercy and his wrath is satiated. He told us that. And it will just come to be that way. And the Lord will have mercy as we plead with him. But be that as it may, the latter days are here. We're in the end time. And that should be a wake-up call. That's the more reason why when the world is groping, you and I need the outpouring of God's spirit. A reviving of our true nature and who we ought to be in order to represent God to our present world and live in his sight and fulfill his mandate in our generation in the name of Jesus. The revival we desire to experience occurs when there is a heart yearning, when there is a longing for it. The driver you will have if you desire to experience it will be that of heart hunger for more of God, more of his presence, not satisfied with where you are, with your complacency, with a lukewarm attitude to prayer, and the word of God becoming tepid, and your Christian witness just becoming anyhow. No power. Fear at the slightest provocation. Faith gone through the window. The gifts of the Spirit nowhere to be seen. And when you see anyone manifesting them, you look at the person with a stranger eye. You need a revival, a hunger for more of God, a hunger for more of Him, a heart cry that I may know Him, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He had already encountered God, but he said, It's not enough. I want a continual experience of His visitation, more of Christ likeness, more of His power, more of His holiness, more of His presence. The revival we long to have. Of course, when there's a readiness of heart to submit to the Holy Spirit's dealings in all that we do. And when there is an awakening of our individual hearts, a longing to experience God's presence, a longing to truly worship in spirit and in truth, a longing to experience the power of God in the Holy Spirit, and a readiness to pay the price in humble contrite and obedient heart in fulfilling our three hours. Relentless prayer flowing from relentless repentance from anything that keeps God away and renewed every time obedience to his word, to his standard and to his will. The revival will break out on your life in Jesus' name. You will desire to break out even now, today, here in this church, in the name of Jesus Christ. Charles Grandison Finney, about the greatest instruments of God for revival, about the greatest revivalists, about the most significant American evangelist of the 19th century, who lived between 1792 to 1875, 83 good years, who touched America and Western Europe as no single Christian had before him. He is often credited as the mother of the father of modern revivalism. He said in his book, Prevailing Prayer, that the first step to experiencing revival is a deep repentance. Just as in the case of a converted sinner, a breaking down of the heart before God, with deep humility and a forsaking of every manner of sin. 
And the two kinds of means to promote, to desire, to influence, to experience revival, the one to influence men, the other to influence God. One, prayer, to move God. And not that God's mind is changed by prayer, or that his disposition or character is changed. But prayer produces such a change in us as renders us consistent for God to intervene. We have quoted Elijah because that's where we use exhortation in the midweek. Sound of abundance of rain for the second half of the year. Elijah had a promise of God. But Elijah went into praying. He needed to have the expectancy and the desire born full throttle. God's promise was already there, hanging, waiting to drop. And the moment he had fulfilled a desire of the heart, God let the rain come. The rain came. Can that be the same with you and I in the name of Jesus? Can we not be at ease in Zion? Can we not be rest with where we are, spiritual or even secular? Can we not brag about and say nothing megas? Can we not just isolate ourselves and say, God, I desire your freshness, your fresh presence in my life. I will give everything to have it. And you keep on that hunger and the Lord will break forth. You will have and experience the revival in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, secondly, by visitation in the outpour of the Spirit. So when there is an individual or man's intense desire, hunger, prayer, and transparent living in obedience to the Word of God, and specifically by God's divine intervention, with the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we will have revival. We desire to have revival. We desire to experience it. Do you? Are you hungry enough? Are you in earnest? It's not looking for one superstar. It's not looking for one person. You are the point man. You are the point to man. The Lord is waiting for you to see how hungry you are for his presence and to meet the conditions. He will pour out his spirit here using you. And most times when God does that, he uses ordinary fellows. He doesn't use those who are already full of themselves. At the beginning of the year, in December, the last prophecy we had in December, I wanted to have it around. God says, you are desiring for my move. And that was how we knew that this is the direction he was leading us for the year. That many of you are full already. You are full in your own self. Your cup is full. So what else am I going to do with you? You need to empty yourself. You need to have your cup empty. You need to be hungry enough for there to be room for me to come in. He's repeating that call again. How hungry are you for God's hand, for God's visitation? How in prayer do you show that that's your serious desire? What does your prayer life consist of? God bless me, my and myself. Me, myself, and my family. Is that all? Is that the reason why God kept you on? Revival comes when you are even engaged in intercession. Intercession means prayer for others. Jesus, others, then yourself. You are praying for God's glory. Use me. Pour out your spirit for your own glory and kingdom. Bless those and the church and people around me. And even with little praying for yourself, 
he will intervene in your own situation. That's how a revival comes. Are you ready to pay the price? We had experiences. We have heard of revivals. They have occurred numerously. We have just mentioned about the church in the wilderness. In Exodus 19, they had a visitation of God. When they cleansed themselves and prepared and washed their garment, they had a revival. Oh, at the birth of the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there was a great revival. There was a great outpour of the Spirit. The men who were usually weak and timid now and turned bold and were able to stand before Christ. And God gave them an icing on the cake with 3,000 souls repenting in one day without microphone, without gadgets, simply because there had been a visitation of God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and verses 27 to 34, we saw them praying again for another revival when they had been threatened. Peter and John, and they say, God, behold, they are threatening. Now, instead of running into our caucuses, instead of COVID-19, chasing us into our rooms and closets, and even those who get there still get infected, you ask me, how did they do that? They have isolated from others, and yet they are setting positive. Is that not happening? And I won't say further than that. So, how come that even with this, the disciples, instead of reclusing to their own and saying, God, do me, I do you, and no go vex. Look at what they did. They say, God, behold their threatenings. Behold what they've done because we're on the course for your kingdom. God, we ask you that you might grant us more boldness and that you might stretch forth your hand, leave your spirit to pour out upon us. Grant us greater boldness to speak your word and to represent you. And the Bible said, as they prayed, the place where they were was shaken with the power of the Holy Spirit. And great grace was upon them all. And they waxed bold, speaking the word of God. Miracles and signs and the power and presence of God were evident. And in verse 34, multitudes believed the Lord. They had revival time and again. In Acts chapter 5. Verse 11, we can read that on. Another revival. So it was not a one-off thing in their lifestyle. It was not a one and a time thing in their generation. It was on and on and on again. Look at Acts chapter 5, 11. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest does no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. If that is not revival, tell me what is revival. Have you experienced it? Do you wish to experience it? You can experience that again and again. Not just one of. It can be a habitual experience in the name of Jesus Christ. We just mentioned Charles Finney. At the age of 29. He was a young lawyer. Look at his attitude before revival gripped him. God's visitation. He had been worshipping in a Presbyterian church in his community. Adams. In New England. And he said, when they asked him, do you want us to pray for you? Look at his reply. I suppose I need to be prayed for. For I am conscious that I am a sinner. But I do not see that it will do any good for you to pray for me. For you are continually asking, but you do not receive. You have been praying for a revival of religion ever since I have been in Adams. And yet you have it not. 
Look at at 29 years, 1821, October, when an outpour of the Spirit was on him. Look at now his reply in prayer. Oh Lord, I take you at your word. Now you know that I do search for you with all my heart. And I have come here to pray to you. And you have promised to hear me. This was in the woods, in the village in Adams. And he was there for hours, business forgotten. And for long, long, long to come, from 1821 through to 1875, the Lord used him to cause revival, turning of heart, miracles, salvation. It is said that Charles Finney and Billy Graham are the only two people whose converts in meetings, crusades, revivals, remained most after any meeting. Most times, only 3% of those who come to crusades remain as Christians. 97% usually fizzle away. Charles Finney sparked Great Britain. He sparked America. He sparked the den of the then known world. And his life spanned nearly the entire first century of the United States presidents, from George Washington to Ulysses Grant. And no single individual had more influence in the U.S. coming to be considered a Christian nation at the beginning of the 20th century than Charles Finney. A man like you and I. Than Elijah. A man like you and I. We know that the Moravian prayer revival lasted a hundred years. Von Zinzendorf. From 1827, from 1727, to 1830, a revival in prayer and in holy life that lasted not only from Germany but percolated the rest of the world. There are accounts of revival. There are accounts of revival that have had. We will not only hear the account, we shall experience them in the name of Jesus. We shall desire and not only desire, experience them in the name of Jesus Christ. We have talked about Evan Roberts and the Welsh Revival. Evan Roberts was around 25 to 27 years of age. And he was schooling. He had to drop to work at the coal mine. And from there, he went into ministry. And in December 1903, Evan Roberts knew in his heart that God had planned a great revival for the Welsh community. Born in June 1878, at the age of 25 years, he was already spending long hours in divine fellowship in prayers. He would sleep till 1 a.m., get up and pray for four hours, sleep at 5 a.m., and then get up and pray from 9 a.m. till 12 noon. That became almost like his daily schedule. And then while preaching at Morea, Evan said, I have reached out my hand and touched the flame. I am burning and waiting for a sign. And during this time, every denomination in Wales was praying for revival and revival their heart. For two good years in 1904 and 1905, in the Welsh revival, some of the newspaper reporters, as they came to find what was happening, were converted themselves. The revival spread with great favor throughout Wales. Soon, bars and movie houses closed. Former prostitutes started holding Bible studies. 
People began to pay their long-standing debts. And those who once selfishly wasted their money on alcohol suddenly became a great joy and support to their family. They had their own turn of national revival. Many of us have heard about the Azusa Street Revival in Southern California in 1906 that gave birth to the Assemblies of God Church. That's when the fire got set up. Many of us here are partakers of Demon Shekharian's revival when he wanted to wind up and in 1952 he had a visitation and the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International has gone worldwide. It's one of the single most organizations, Christian, apart from CNN, that has gone almost through all the countries of the world. And you remember Matthew 24, 14? This gospel shall be preached in all the nations of the world as a witness. And then shall the end come. A man bore through, and revival fire has kept spreading long after his death. What about you and I? We mentioned about the Alma Longa revival. The transformation. A community, Amalonga, in Guatemala, of 19,000 people, where they had experienced amazing revival through the power of prayer. From 1974-75, and called by one of the pastors, the revival process began. And about 90% of the 19,000 population in that community we are born again. That means more than 17,000 out of the 19,000. Once known for idolatry, drunkenness, poverty, spousal and wife abuse, the city is now known for prosperity and blessings at the hand of God. Where there was once more than 30 bars, there are now more than 30 churches. The four jails, which were once not enough to hold all the prisoners, were now closed because there is no need for them. The police carry no guns. They carry only whistles to direct traffic. What do the police here carry? And what do they do? This is especially unusual for this area because most banks and stores are guarded by police and security people with loaded rifles, something you see all over the rest of Guatemala. But the most amazing is the healing of the land. Amalonga is now known as the Valley of Miracles. And the people now ship vegetables of amazing size and quantity all around the world. There has been some revival post-civil war in southeastern Nigeria. 70s, 71, 72, 70, up to 75. We are toddlers then, but we saw people who were literally carrying their Bibles in their head. And we'll go to the village church and we'll see the people who they said were troubling the village and we'll be looking at them. Young men! I won't mention some of them because you know them. Young men! And we hear the way they were talking. What was the reason? They were preaching the gospel like fire. And the power of God was in their lives. It was in a portion around here for those who were born then. For many who are here, you heard only with the hearing of the ears. You shall experience it yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. While I was on campus, University of Nigeria, 1985-1986. I was in leadership. We had gone for my first national conference at UNN, Suka Campus, July 1985. 
And there, and I'm not sure it was a coincidence, because it was immediately after then, at the October, November, following that July, that I got to become, by the mercy of God, the president of the Christian Union at Enugu campus. So I think God did something. He brought me into contact with a sister at Nsuka campus who said, I have been praying for revival in this university. Revival at Nsuka campus, revival at Enugu campus. And at Enugu campus then, we had a sister who was very fragile, very fair in complexion. She's late now. A number of you will know her because it's not a secret. When God brings revival, he's blown in the open. His evidence. Margaret Imowo was her name. She later married my classmate. And from 1984, single voice. You could hardly hear above the whisper. She kept praying. She was a bundle of prayer. Sometimes you wonder whether she ate. And she made it clear, I'm praying for revival in this campus. And friends, before... December 1985 ruled out. A revival broke out at Enugu campus. Anselm Madubuko, who was a was up when he read architecture in Inek and was all over town. They knew him as a happening boy. He was even a DJ while then. Fellow to Jidobi, Chris Okotie, all of a sudden jetted out from Lagos, landed on a Sunday night at Enugu campus, that God has sent him to go back and repair the lives he had damaged and remedy the things he's done. And throughout that night, and for periods ranging after, revival broke out at Enugu campus. Those who were around then will witness that. Souls were saved, and they still remain standing today. That was where Chris Okotie surrendered his life to Christ. And thank God he's still standing today. It's a measure of God's witness. So revival has come. But you and I will experience God's touch visitation. Are we ready to pay the price? Time is now. Are you hungry? Are you yearning? It's no longer about hearing of the ears. It's no longer about the sound of abundance of rain. We can have revival. You can have an experience of revival. The Lord can touch your life and turn it around. Today, tomorrow, this week. Are you ready? Are you expectant? Are you waiting? Shall we bow our heads to pray? Love, send down revival. Love, send down revival. Love, send down revival. And let it start with me. My prayer, desire, let the Lord see your heart. Let the Lord know your heart. Let the Lord see the burden. Let the Lord see the hunger. Are you ready for a touch of God that changes you from just mere existence to the outpour of the Spirit that gives you a refreshing, that experiences the power of God, His holiness and glory? Can you open your mouth and pray old or young, toddler, children, youths, Teen, father, mother, I need a revival. I 
want to experience your touch, O God. Put your spirit afresh upon me. Put your spirit afresh upon my life, my community, this church, upon my family. But I, I, Lord, I am in need of your revival. I am in need of your reviving fire. I am in need of a soul set aflame for you. I have heard with the hearing of the eyes. I have heard with the hearing of the ears. In the midst of the years, I have heard account. Lord, I want to experience. I desire to stand and live truly in your side. Send forth your power. Send forth your visitation. Lord, I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. Are you ready, my dear? Are you ready in spirit, soul, and body? Are you ready, repented from all sins, hidden and open? Are you ready to say, the Lord, here am I. Here am I, O Lord. Try me, investigate me, prove me, search my heart. See if there is any wrong thought, any wrong motive, any wrong attitude, any habitual sin. Lord Almighty, I denounce them. I banish them. I lay aside every baggage. I lay aside every weight. I lay aside every sin. And I want to look up with the eye of patience. Perfecting holiness in your fear. Can you cry to God, church? Can you cry to God, young man? Can you cry to God, young woman? Can you cry to God, Father? Look at your life. Look at how you and I have been. Look at how humdrum it is. Look at how the challenges are all out there. Look at how the power of God has been far. Look at how your life has been tossed of it. Can you say, the Lord, I need a change. And I'm desirous to make a turnaround. And I repent in dust and ashes. And I turn unto you with the eyes of expectation. Beholding you. Fellowshipping with you. Come unto me. Visit me, Lord. Can you cry unto the Lord? Let the Spirit of the Lord bring down His mercy, His visitation, and turn us to another man, another woman, and bring His power upon us that our generation may know that those who belong as the sons of God, they have come to fulfill their destiny. And you are one of them. Can you cry? Can you ask the Lord? Can His mercy come down? Can his truth raise on you? And if you are here and you are not born again and the spirit of God was telling you my son give me your heart you can have a revival salvation is a great revival a turning around from dead works unto the living God by faith. At this moment I want to ask you you want to surrender your life to Christ? You have been living a life of sin by your own power. Or you have even given your life to Christ before. But you know that under his such light, you have gone back. You have drawn away. You have gone from Mount Sinai and said, no, I cannot exist in his presence. You are walking around as a shadow. And tonight, this is a time of rededication. This is a time of asking him to come again in his power and might to forgive you, to cleanse you. He will heal he will forgive. They want to surrender your life to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ so that you can be plain for God to use you. He cannot use a free instrument. No. Sin is an abomination to God. And if you cannot live a life that is wholly dependent on God, it is at this moment to respond to the call. I want the power of Jesus to forgive my sin and to live unto him. 
If that's your desire, wherever you are, please kindly raise up one of your hands. Let's pray together. I want Jesus in his power to visit me and make a beginning with me in holiness and true righteousness before the God all the days of my life. I want to live for him. I live for Jesus day after day. The Holy Spirit I will obey. That's your desire. I want to turn over my life unto him and have him as my Lord and Savior. Please raise your hand where you are. We don't need to throw the on because the Spirit of God is already prompting you. Is there any hand up? I want to have Jesus in my life. Please raise your hand. If you are raising it, raise it very well. So we do not leave you out of the blessing of God. We do not leave you out of the purpose of God. If you are raising your hand, please kindly stand up before we draw the curtain. Thank God for you. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I'm tired of living on my own and by my power. And I want the power of God in my life to make me who I ought to be. And that's why you are standing. Salvation. Surrendering your life to Christ. Can I ask you, my dears, please kindly walk up here. There's nothing to be ashamed of. As you're standing right there, just walk out here. Let's pray together with you. And the time of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted. And then the times of refreshing will come. That's the beginning of a revived life. Peace with God by faith in Christ Jesus. I want to turn over my life unto you. Please come in closer. Pray for these ones. Pray for these ones. Pray for these ones. It's the Spirit of God that has drawn them. And let the power of God upon their lives make a new beginning. An experience they have never had before. A turnaround. A welcome in heaven. A lifting of burden. Peace. Joy unspeakable. And as you stand there, the Bible says you believe with your heart unto righteousness. You confess with your mouth unto salvation. And if you shall truly believe in you a sinner, call on the Lord Jesus genuinely with your mouth. You shall be saved. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You died for me on the cross of Calvary. I am a sinner. I have offended you. I have lived my own way. Today, I am sorry for my sins. I turn away from them. I return to you. Have mercy upon me. Come into my life as I repent and turn to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all my sins. And make me a child of God. Give me the power to be your child. And lead me on the path to eternal life. Thank you for hearing me in Jesus' name. As many as receive you, Lord, to them you give the power to be your children, who were born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. And therefore, Lord, every one of these who have confessed your name in heart, believing, consciously, willingly, let the old things pass away in the name of Jesus Christ. Let all things become new in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, write their names in the book of life. And from today onwards, may your spirit equip them, lead them, be an honest deposit and witness in their hearts and lives unto eternity in the name of Jesus Christ. May their lives burn with the spirit as a deposit in their lives and use them as revival instruments where they are in their generation and unto life eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray for God.